Welcome to Tribes Podcast. Thank you for making this message a part of your week. If you're ever in Jackson Hole, we would love for you to visit our tribe family. We meet on Sundays at 5.30 at the Snow King Conference Center. And if you'd like to know more about us, you can find us online or on Facebook by searching tribejh.com. You guys, if you have a Bible, would you turn to the book of Romans? We're going to look at Romans chapter 15. I'm going to share one verse with you as our springboard to launch into what we're going to talk about tonight. Romans chapter 15. And as that page loads, uh, you can open up to verse 13. And if you don't have a smartphone or a Bible, I don't know what's wrong with you. But I think we'll throw it here on on the screen as well. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Paul is speaking and he says this. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust him. Then you will overflow. Everybody say overflow. Overflow Overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. As you may or may not know, tonight is tribe's second birthday. Wow, wow. And, And at tribe, we have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to be joyful for. Not just, not just our individual families and individual people that go to tribe, but as a tribe fam, we've got so much to be joyful for. And if you're joining us for the very first time, here's the good news. The good news is you get in and get to be a partaker of all the joy that we've been cooking up for the last two years. Is that good news to anybody? Yeah. All right, all right. The question often arises though, Where is the source? What is the real legitimate source for joy? It's one thing to be happy, right? Happy is an emotion. Uh, When I look outside and I see that it's like RPK3 and it snowed over 18 inches the night before, guess what, y'all? I'm happy. When I get an elk in the crosshairs and it's under 400 yards and the safety is off, and my buddies haven't taken the shot from me, I'm, no, guys, come on. Lord, please forgive me for, my elk's coming, y'all. My elk's coming, right? But when we're, when we're happy, it's different than joy because happy is an emotion. It comes and it goes, and our emotions, they, there's an ebb and flow. Our emotions vacillate, but there's something different about joy. And I got to brag on my tribe fam. Uh, we've been together for, as a church for, for two years, and I can honestly say that this is the most joy-filled community of people in this or any other parallel galaxy that I've ever been to. But what is the source? If, if, if somebody were to crack us open and to drill down into this part of our collective identity as a community that makes us distinctive and unique, I would say that, that if you were to crack us open, one of the things that would come oozing out is joy. But what is the source of that joy? Where does the joy come from? We don't all work at the same place. We don't all come from the same background. We don't all have the same schedule. We all come from different places. We all come from different backgrounds. Some of us commute from Pinedale. Some of us commute from over the hill. Some of us commute from far and wide. But there is several threads 
that tie us together as a community. And one of those threads that I want to talk about tonight is joy. And I want to talk about how a person can live with joy. Now, it's pretty easy to live with joy when everything's going your way. I mean, that's like, that's like easy. But I'm talking about something that transcends our circumstances, something that's, that's higher than just our emotions, a joy that a person can possess even when it feels like they're in prison. In fact, that's, that's the title of tonight's message. And if you're taking notes, you can write this down. We're going to talk tonight about joy in the jail cell. And when we talk about joy in the jail cell, there's one person, there's one story that we got to drill down into. And if we, can, if we can crack open this guy, his name is Paul, if we can crack open and dissect this situation, I think that we'll all discover how it's possible for anybody to live in a place of joy even when it feels like they're in a prison. So if you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. All right, all right. Turn to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16. And we're going we're gonna to look at a story in the book of Acts. I'm going to turn there myself. I like this story. I'm going to read a few verses so you can, you can keep up with me. I'm going to start by reading verses 9 and 10, and then we're going to jump ahead just a little bit to get to the good stuff. So in Acts chapter 16, in verse 9 and 10, it says, That night Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him. And what's really cool is we have this vision, this dream recorded. And here he says this, Come over to Macedonia and help us. That was, that was all that was recorded in the dream, but I think we got the gist of it. Verse 10, so we, now who's the we? Paul is, is, is writing and he's, he's, the story is about, well, Paul is not writing, the Dr. Luke is writing, but this story is about, is about Paul. And so when it says we, it's talking about Paul and Luke who has joined him. So that's the we in this passage. It says in, in verse 10, so we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Now, I want us to fast forward the story. They journey into this city of Philippi, and while they're in the city of Philippi, here's an event that unfolds. Verse 16, we pick up the story. One day, as we were going down to the place of prayer, we met a demon-possessed slave girl. She was a fortune teller who earned a lot of money for her master's. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God, and they've come to tell you about how to be saved. This went on day after day until Paul got so exasperated that he turned to the demon within her and said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And instantly it left her. Her master's hopes of wealth were now shattered. So they grabbed Paul and Silas and dragged them before the authorities in the marketplace. The whole city is in an uproar because of these Jews, they shouted to the city officials. They're teaching customs that are illegal for us Romans to practice. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the officials ordered them stripped and beaten with rods. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. If that's not bad enough, listen. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape, so the jailer put them into the inner dungeon. 
the pit of despair. That's not in your Bible. That was as extra. And clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundation. All of the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted to him, Stop! Don't kill yourself! We are all here! The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. What a cool story. What a cool historical event that happened in the life of Paul. Now again, we're talking about not happiness, but joy. How does a person grab a hold of a kind of joy that even in the midst of prison, there's something about these two men that are very different than everybody else in the prison. Verse 25, when you go back and look at verse 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Before that comma, that could be one of, at least for me personally, I don't know about you, but that could be one of the most annoying parts of scripture that I have ever come across. And I'll tell you why. Because it's so different than my default state. I don't know how many of you have been to prison. No, just kidding. I spent a night in county jail once, so you're in good company. Don't worry. You ain't got to be scared. And I'll tell you what. I was not singing Praise in hymns to God. I don't know if anybody else has been here in prison. Were you, were you thankful? Did you have joy? When I read that verse, especially in the context of all that happened to Paul, that voice, that, that, that verse, that part of that verse, it really gets under my skin because it's difficult to understand. How is it that he and his buddy are, are singing and praying and thanking the Lord. It's, now, let's just look. I mean, because we see what happened to, to unfold. All right? Let's just, let's, let's just look back. So, first of all, God speaks to Paul in a dream. Paul, I've got an assignment from you. Now, how many of you know that God is a good God? Right? All the time. He's good. All right, so his plans for me, Paul is thinking, according to Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans that are good for you, plans for you to prosper. And so Paul's like, okay, I got an assignment from the Lord. Luke and I, we're gonna go to this, this unevangelized region, Philippi, and we're just, gonna, we're just gonna see God has spoken to us in a dream and a vision, and I've clearly seen the face of this man, and God was speaking to me through this dream, come and help us in Macedonia. 
All right, here we go. We're on an assignment from the Lord. He's got this promise from God. Off they go to, to Philippi. Uh, they, they meet, uh, they meet this, this woman named, uh, what is her name, Lydia? She, so, so she goes there, and uh, Paul says, uh, yeah, 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 Lydia of Thyatira, merchant of expensive pur- purple cloth. And Paul preaches to, to her, and uh, her and her household get saved, which, which is great. And they're like, okay, we're, we're on a roll. We're on a roll. Then the next thing that happens is there's this, this girl with a spirit of divination, and she's going around, and she's kind of dogging the heels of Paul and nipping at their heels. And finally, Paul gets tired of it, and he says, demons out. And the girl gets instantly saved. Now, imagine if you're traveling companion of Paul, you're Luke. Like, all right, man, we got, I can, can you feel the momentum that's happening in this story? First, Lydia and her household, okay, and she's wealthy. Like, man, maybe she's going to help us fund our ministry campaign here in Philippi. All right, we got the, the vision from God. Here comes the provision. Now we're, we're seeing this girl get delivered, which is amazing. This is awesome. I can't wait to see what God's going to do next. The next thing that happens is what? A mob is formed. Mobs are generally not a good thing, right? The mob gets, the, this mob gets stirred up, and then after, after, after Paul has, has set this girl free, what happens to the mob? I mean, they're triggered. They're like set off. And things get so stirred up that now the police have to come. Have you ever been to, to a meeting where things got so stirred up that the police had to come in and say, hey, 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 what's going on? Those days are coming, y'all. Those days are coming like they did back then. As the power of God moves in meetings like this and moves in your one-on-one coffee appointment as, as you travel the world and make the name of Jesus famous, things are going to happen because greater is he that lives in you than he that lives in the world. And in the days to come, and we're, we're seeing those days right now, and we're gonna see them more and more and more just before Jesus comes back. Expect the mob. We're not looking for it, but expect a mob. People that aren't going to understand. People that don't know what's going on. They're, they're stirred up. They're angry. They're upset. And the police get involved. And what, what happens to Paul and Luke next? The Bible says that they were stripped. Now, how humiliating could that be? Anybody ever had a dream that they went to school in their birthday suit? Okay, yeah, a few of us, a few of us have. I had this reoccurring dream. I haven't had it in a while, but like I've had in the past, like a dream where I go to school in my birthday suit and I'm like, oh, my trapper keeper. Oh, or the dream, anybody ever had the dream where their homework is in the locker, but it's been, you know, like 30 years since they've been to high school and they forgot their locker combo? Is it? All right, people are like, Heidi's like taking notes. Okay, see me on Tuesday for counseling. <laughs> I know exactly what that's about. <laughs> they were stripped. They were beaten. We don't know to, to what extent, but I'm sure it was a whole lot more than just a caning or a slap on the wrist. And then, after a mob was stirred up, after the police were involved, after they were stripped and humiliated, after they were beaten, only then were they thrown into jail. Now remember, what spun up in your mind? God has sent us on a 
on a mission. God's got good things for me. This is what I don't know about, you know, we're, we see that, that Paul and Luke have a different mindset, but if I were the traveling companion, I would be thinking a lot of different thoughts, like we've missed it. We've missed the boat. God has forgotten us. God has abandoned us. Maybe we didn't hear right in the first place. But now here they are in prison, and they've got joy in the middle of the jail cell. The question that screams out of this verse is, how did they do it? And if Paul can do it, I could do it. And if I can do it, oh man, I know for sure you can do it. Let's look, let's look. See, see what happens here. Verse 9 We're going to unpack this. Verse 9, it says this. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there, pleading with him, come to Macedonia and help us. Okay, that's that's the first part that that kind of kicks off this whole chain uh, of events. And I want to put it up here on the screen. The first thing that happens is you've got God's promise. Now, we've talked about promises from the Lord in, in weeks past. And I, if you remember, I told you that there are two kinds of promises that we can receive from the Lord. We can receive his logos promise, which is a, a verse of scripture that we can hold on to as his promise. My God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory, right? That's a promise, his logo promise. But then we can also grab a hold of God's rhema promise. Now this happened... Uh, When he has the dream, come see us in Macedonia, it happens to be recorded in the Bible. But when Paul was living this out, was that a Bible verse for Paul? No. It was a a prophetic vision that he had of ministry opportunity in Macedonia. And the first place that they go to is Philippi. So, So I just want to make it really clear to you that if God is speaking to you, directly about a matter in, in the stillness, in the, that still small voice in your heart, that's the same thing. That's, that's, that's his rhema that is speaking to you. And his word is always good as gold that you can take to the bank. So we first get his promise. That kicks off the, the chain of events. And, and if you notice, as we go through these few, these few principles here, you'll see that it all ties into that verse that we read all the way back at the beginning of Romans chapter 15, verse 13. I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy, there it is, and peace because you trust him, then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to look at what happened to Paul in this situation, and verse 25 will like explode in your mind, then it'll make that 18-inch drop from your thinker down to your knower where it really does all the good. So verse 9, we see that we've received the promise. Then listen to verse 10. Then we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Now you need to, when you, if, you, if you look at that verse... There's one particular word that's going to stand out to you that if you look it up in the Greek, it's going, to, it's going to be really cool. That word is concluded. When you look at the word concluded in the Greek, it means this, to put together in one's mind, to unite in one conclusion, to knit together, or as Kenneth Copeland would say, to come into agreement. And so here's what happened. 
Paul believed God's promise. Then he took his belief and he put it into action. And what's that called? Faith. You can believe something all day long and not do anything about it. But when you have a belief and you put it into action, that's where faith starts. So we see that we have God's promise and the next key ingredient is faith. Now watch, now watch, now watch what, what happens. So that, that belief was knit together with action and that's called faith. Now I'll go down to verse 23 and 24. They were severely beaten. They were thrown into prison. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Now this is interesting in the story. As soon as they arrive to the region of Macedonia, they do meet this lady called Lydia, but she's a woman. What is the gender of the person in Paul's vision? He was a man. Okay, so it was a man. Paul gets to the region of Philippi. He meets Lydia. It doesn't mention any other members of their household. And so, so Paul is thinking, if you were Paul and you had a, a, such a dramatic encounter with the Lord that it actually gets recorded and has been a part of history for 2,000 years, don't you think Paul has this man's face in his mind? He's thinking about this face. Maybe he's even scanning the crowds looking for this man's face. He's got belief that's been put into action, which is faith. They've arrived in Philippi. It's great that Lydia and her whole household get saved, but think about Paul and what must have been going through his brain, scanning the crowds day after day. Where is that man? Where is that man that appeared to me in the vision and called for help? Where is that man? The police come. We don't, men, we don't see any police officers mentioned by name. There's the girl that gets the demon cast out of her. But again, that's a girl. That's not this man. And if you look, it says a mob and a crowd. They, they, they. So it's kind of just all, all kind of zoomed out and, and just kind of, you know, big picture, faceless crowd. But who is the next character that is singled out in this story? Verse 23 and 24, they were severely beaten and they were thrown into the prison. Look at the arrival of this character. Then the jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. We know the gender of this jailer a few verses later because he's referred to as he. I believe the jailer was the man in Paul's vision. Think of all that they've just been through. Maybe they're doubting. Maybe they're upset. Maybe they're they're certainly hurting. They're bruised. Maybe they're asking some questions. And then through, through torchlight as they get led down to prison, they catch a glimpse of this guy's face. And here this jailer is, putting them in the chains and in the irons after they've been stripped and beaten and led into the jail cell. Now, I always like to, it helps me for Scripture to come alive when I put myself 
in each situation. D does anybody else do that? Like, read yourself into the story. Ask yourself, what would I be doing if I was with Paul? If I had just been humiliated and stripped and beaten, I would be thinking all kinds of negative things. Joy would be the farthest thing from my mind. And if I were Paul, when I got led down there, I probably would have some serious questions about maybe I didn't hear him right, maybe something else. I, maybe I missed him. Until, through the light of the torch, I caught a glimpse of that guy's face. And I don't know about you, but I'd be like, Mm, mm, mm. to my buddy Luke. Luke, just when things couldn't get worse, look, where it is. And Luke's like, what? Paul's like, that's him. And Luke's like, what's him? Yeah, that's the jailer. He's the one that hit me over the head not a moment ago. Paul's like, no, that's him, dude. And Luke goes, what? Paul goes, the man in my vision. Would your hope not begin to rise? Faith. Hope. Verse 25. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Write this down. Faith always leads to hope. And hope always leads to joy. How could they be singing and praising God in the midst of that prison? Because they had hope. The Bible says at about midnight, when it was the darkest, maybe it might feel like your midnight. Maybe you're in a tough financial spot. Maybe you're in a, a, a midnight emotionally, a midnight of, of, of loneliness, maybe a midnight of indecision, stuck at a crossroads, not knowing where to turn. Maybe you're in a, a, a midnight of, of hopelessness or despair or unforgiveness or bitterness. Even in the darkest prison cell, you can have joy just as Paul and Luke did. You know that most people get it backwards? Have you ever thought about it? Most people get it backwards. What they want to have is joy first. So maybe they get God's promise, and they just like, woo, I'm fired up for Jesus. You! And then because like, like they're fired up, then they have hope about what God's going to do. And then... After they see the manifestation, man, that's a real churchy word, or the fulfillment of that, woo, I got faith. I knew the Lord would do it. I knew that he would come through. You know how most people have it backwards? But as typical with the Lord, his ways are higher than our ways, and his thinking is like, oh, son, 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 I love you, but you got to go, turn it around. Now, try it again. Everyone wants the joy. Few are willing to endure the jail. You need that one more time? Okay. 
Everyone wants the joy. Few are willing to endure the jail. Let me see if I can uh, help, help you to have this make sense. Um, so let's see. I, I picked on Susan before. Uh, Zayla loves it when I call on her and bring her up to stage, but um, we should probably, I should probably introduce you to somebody new tonight, so I'm going to need a little help from Chris. So Chris, come on up here. Give her a hand. So, so y'all, y'all don't know Chris, but, but uh, Chris has been a part of our family for a number of years. Uh, we met when I was in school at ORU. I was on staff at a church, and she uh, signed up for our internship in our children's ministry and served with us for uh, a semester. And then uh, after that, she graduated and then came back on staff uh, in our family ministry and was on staff for a number of years. And uh, she's been on staff at a number of churches, and uh, currently you're on staff uh, at a church in California as the high school women's director, right? Did I get all that right? And she's on vacation here visiting us. Everybody say, hi, Chris. Chris. We've known her for a long time. You've lived with us for like six months uh, back in the day, and here you still are. You haven't gotten enough of us. Uh, But here's what I want to do. I want to, I want to, I need you to help me show these people, let's, let's set it right here, exactly what I'm talking about, okay? And so here's what, here's what we're going to do. We have God's promise, okay? God's promise is right here. When you take God's promise and you attach it to faith, I want you to begin to, to pull out of this bucket. So you're, you're, you're standing in faith, you're reeling in that line, remember what we talked about. So grab this and just go ahead and start to feed that out. And I'm gonna help you. There we go. Yes, faith. So look, who would have known? God's promise. You grab a hold of God's promise. You take your belief, I believe his word, and you put it into action and you get, what is it? faith. Okay, now keep going. So you keep pulling and you keep pulling and you're pulling it, you're winding it in, you're winding it in. What is the next thing that comes out? Everybody? Hope. Hope. Faith leads to hope. Now, you, you keep going. But not so fast. You're so strong. Okay, keep going. If I can keep from getting this tied up. Now, keep going. Keep going. Hope leads to joy. Now, hold on to joy. Now, what would happen if you kept going? What would happen if you just kept pulling? Uh Uh-oh. Back to the promise. Okay. Now, here you hold on to that. I'll put this in here. Can anybody see the cycle yet? Keep going. Uh Uh-oh. God's promise leads to faith. Oh, my gosh. Okay, well, keep going. What would happen then? If you just kept going, faith leads to hope. Okay, hope leads to joy. Joy, as you keep going, leads to God's promise. They're all connected. If you grab a hold of God's promise and you reel it in by faith, faith leads to hope. Hope leads to joy. Do you think they have it yet? Do you have it? Okay, all right, give her a hand.
They're connected. They're connected. They're connected. I think there are, there are some people, maybe even in this room, that they've gotten a promise from God as a seed. They're asking for provision. Lord, I need, I need help. I need you to come through for me. And he says, all right. And he comes through and he gives us a, a, a seed. The seed often takes the shape of a promise. What am I supposed to do with the promise? How does that actually help me get out of the hospital? How does that bring my son to salvation? Well, you got to listen to last week's message when I talked all about that. When you take God's promise and you attach it to his faith and you chase it down, the Bible says that every single one of us have been given a measure of faith. And we put our belief into action, it leads to faith. Don't, don't, just, don't just say, well, I believe the Lord's going to do it. We have some participation and some involvement. Keep reeling hand over hand. And I guarantee you, says the Lord, hope is on its way. When you get some hope, you get a little momentum. Refasten your grip and keep going for that faith. Oh, see, I'm going the wrong way, Brian. My own object. I better quit now before I really mess up my object lesson. Are y'all getting that? Okay, okay. Brian. We've got a lot to be joyful at, at Tribe. 2014, uh, the Lord spoke to Lissa and I, and he gave us a promise. He said, I want you to lead, love, and shepherd the people of this valley. We believed him, and then we put that belief into action. We put our house on the market. We loaded up a U-Haul, a little trailer, our kids and our pets and our whole life. We left Tulsa, Oklahoma. We came up to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. We finally came back to Jackson. We had been in Jackson uh, from 98. We got married. We started a family. We built two homes here. God called us to Tulsa, Oklahoma so that we could meet Chris. And 2014, he invited us back to Jackson Hole to lead, love, and shepherd the people. We did that by faith. Our first two years were... were now, they didn't quite work out as I had thought they would. But we just kept holding on to that rope of faith. Lord, you've, you've called us to this. Faith gave rise to hope. Faith always leads to hope. And hope always leads to joy. In 2016... The Lord gave us a promise in the form of this, of his beautiful mission statement. I put it on, I put it on the, the board here. And this is the community. If you call Tribe Home or if you're just visiting, this is what you're a part of tonight. Um, 
It's this, tribe exists to make the name of Jesus famous in Jackson Hole and to the uttermost bounds of the earth. And there are four foundation stones of this church. Building strong families, connecting through community, developing servant leaders and making disciples that will change the world. That's what you're a part of, at least for tonight. If that's where we're going, well, how are we gonna get there? Then the Lord downloaded these core values to me, and you can, they're up here on the, on the screen as well. Family, the most important social structure created by God. We stick together. We treat each other with love and respect. Honor, we value, the, we value people the way that God sees them, and we strive for excellence in all we do because it brings glory to God to maximize our potential. Creativity, one of my favorites, We pursue fresh, Holy Spirit-inspired ways to fulfill the mission of tribe. Fun. Now, this one always just kind of tweaks the undies, I'll say, of those religious types. Fun. We take our faith seriously, but not ourselves. And finally, servant leadership. We look for opportunities to develop others as we ourselves are continually being developed to help a lost and broken world. Don't, don't give up. Don't give up hauling in that rope. I know that your hands may be tired. I know that you may have set down the rope. But don't give up. Don't give up. This last year was, was a great year for, for tribe, just as we're still like little babies. And uh, uh, Corey Lack did a great job. He put together some, some highlights uh, of this year, I want to share those with you. And if you if you watch it and you're like, "Well, wait a minute, I need to see that like three or four more times," we'll put it on Facebook later tonight so you can watch it and share it with your friends. But I, I want to show you this video of some of the highlights, some of the highlights from Tribe this year. What a great year we've had. What a great year we've had. 
I want to start to land the plane with this. Look at verse 34 of that story. Verse 34 says this. He brought them into his house. This is the jailer. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. Then he and his entire household rejoiced. There's that word joy because they all believed. It's a picture of faith in God. How did they have joy? Well, they had joy because they believed. They put that belief into action because they got saved. We see it all right here at the end of the story. How many of you remember the radio program, the Paul Harvey Rest of the Story radio program? Okay, if you're a millennial, that's radio. Let me give you a quick rest, Paul Harvey, rest of the story. So there's this guy, Paul Harvey, and he was like, he did this little radio program, and he would have little inspirational little spots on the radio. But then in the afternoon, he would have the rest of the story, Paul Harvey, the rest of the story. So he would kind of start from the, the end and work his way backwards, and by the end of the story, you're like, oh my gosh, who is it? And then he would say his name, you know, like E.F. Hutton or something. And you'd be like, what? That was that guy was amazing. So this is the Paul Harvey rest of the story because we see, scholars believe that we see this jailer one more time in history. And if you're still there at Acts, you don't have to turn to 1 Corinthians, but you can just make a little note uh, after verse uh, 34 and you can write down 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 15. So Paul is giving his greetings. And he says this at the end of his letter, 1 Corinthians. You know that Stephanus and his household were the first of the harvest of believers in Greece. That's these guys in Philippi. And they are spending their lives in service to God's people. I urge you, dear brothers and sisters, to submit to them and to others like them who serve with such devotion. See, that's the thing about joy is it has endurance. It has staying power. It's a fruit of the Spirit, remember? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and all the others. We've talked about this before. Not once in all of history has an apple tree stood in an apple orchard and said, I gotta make apples. An apple tree just naturally makes apples. It's just a fruit that comes out. You work on the other stuff and the joy is just gonna flow. The joy will just come in the midst of any situation and any circumstance that you find yourself in. Stick around here at Tribe. My rub off on you. So, uh, as we, uh, I've landed the plane as far as that goes. Uh, This evening, to celebrate Tribe's birthday, we're going to receive communion. And uh, as we go to the table of communion here, um, I want you to to do just a quick intake and inventory of your life. 
How is your joy meter? Is it pegged off the charts? Is your joy dependent on your circumstances? Maybe the joy needle is kind of low and a little droopy. Thankfully, joy has nothing to do with our circumstances. When we press into the Lord, we're going to come to this table by faith. When we come to the table by faith, my prayer is that hope would hope anew would be released in you because here's the hope. He's coming back, y'all. He's coming back. Thank you. Right on time. <laughs> and if that is nothing to be joyful about, you're in the wrong business of faith. The Bible records that at the last supper, Jesus was with his disciples celebrating the Passover meal. The Bible says that during the meal, he took bread and he broke it and he blessed it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, I want you to take and eat. This bread represents my body, which is broken for you. And the Bible records also that during the meal, he took another cup, and that word another is significant because he reached for the cup that everybody at that meal would know of as the marriage cup. When a young man would make a proposal to a young woman, he picked up that cup. And he said, take and drink. This is my life's blood, which will be poured out for you to ratify or confirm a new covenant, a new promise between God and his people. This is the cup of salvation, the cup of redemption, the cup of eternal life, the cup of the Lord. And then he said this, which everybody at that table, if they had ever been to a wedding or an engagement party, they would instantly be able to identify with the words because he said this, I'll not drink again of this fruit of the vine until I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. Now, if it were a marriage proposal, he would say, I'll not drink again of this fruit of the vine until I drink it anew with you on our wedding day. Y'all, there's gonna be a wedding someday. Father, I ask that you would take these simple common elements and you would perform a miracle. You would transform them into a sacrament, which is merely a means of grace where we can touch you by faith. And as our tribe fam comes forward to celebrate communion, they take that step of faith and even physically coming forward to receive communion. Father, I ask that you would honor that act of faith and you would begin to just minister to their hearts in a special way that would impart hope. And we know that hope always leads to joy. So Father, I'm asking that you would do something awesome up here tonight. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, I'm gonna invite...